Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Here's why I think that everyone should follow us at Instagram.com slash It's The Real. <laughs> you ready? Uh-huh. <laughs> Last week, you and I went to a Chuck E. Cheese for the first time no, no, in our, our lives. Already, this sounds crazy. It's, it is crazy. No, no, no. It sounds crazy because you're setting it up to be like... <laughs> Hey, last week the two of us, two adults <laughs> That's right. with no children, That's right. went it, to a Jeff in Chuck all of e. our cheese. in all of our years, all of our 22 years on this planet, never been to a Chuck E. Cheese. Never, but I nobody expects me to go to a Chuck E. Cheese, especially not now. <laughs> the weird part is not that I have not gone, the weird part is that I have started going at age <laughs> whatever I am. You know, 22. Yeah. When when I took a picture of you mm-hmm. sitting all alone yeah. in this Chuck E. Cheese. Huge Chuck E. Cheese. The, I don't know. It's not the, like the cafeteria. No, it was the eating area. It's like the smoking area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the adult area. Yeah. I um, was sitting. There were like 45 booths nearby. I put it up on I put it up on Instagram stories. And I said I was there for the vibes. That's right. Yeah. Were you there for the vibes? I was there <laughs> because you... Your friend Jeff, I I wanted to go. I went, and uh, and you said you would well, no, come no, along. No, no, don't don't say I wanted to go. You went because your friend has a one year old nephew that she takes care of. Yeah, and that's why we went. Because if you say I wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, and it makes it sound <laughs> like you are an adult who wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese for like what the cuisine, Jeff, the pizzas that they like recycle. We did not the games. We did not. But we did go. We did go. And we put on Instagram stories, and you guys should follow us at Instagram.com slash It's The Real. So we we walk in there, and first of all, there is a velvet rope Mm -hmm. and a security guard, Mm -hmm. and he's like, who are you here to see? And we're like, "Uh, this kid? And he's like, great. Removes the velvet rope, says straight ahead and to your left. Yeah. And we walk over there and found... Nobody. (laughs) There was nobody there. No one. It was an empty table. Not even Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Just us. And so I'm just like, oh my God. Because you can't walk around and like expect, like if they're here, you got to go like, no. I thought that this girl had played a trick on us. You know what? You. Yeah, me. I I, mean, the trick was that I was also dragged into this thing. (laughs) I did did text her beforehand and say, if this is a practical joke. It's great. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's really funny. Yeah. Um. It was not. I did not. I they, did not find it funny. They showed up eleven minutes later, and here's a couple <laughs> things. Exact. It was exact. <laughs> Jeff, there's a few things. More than a few things. I don't know. It's confusing for an adult to be there at Chuck E. Cheese. Are you kidding? And uh, yes. And you know, beyond uh, the way that Chuck E. I or, was a mustache away from being arrested. This is true. The way that Chuck E sings happy birthday or gets the kids to sing bizarre weird it's it's so he 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 coaxes the kids (laughs) not even him his attendant that's right comes over and says hey chucky wants you to sing the birthday song and so the kids are all excited and they sing happy Happy birthday birthday. all that and it's never it it never sounds good no and then chucky is like he shakes his head and the attendant goes boo Boo, you have to do it louder. Chucky says to do it louder. First of all, Chucky did not say to do it louder. <laughs> the attendant does. Take some ownership of your That's right. dumb bar. And, and then also, yeah. how dare you 
boo these children who don't understand that they just sang right. the birthday song. This is their first time. At least we're adults and we, we know what a boo is. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard many boos in our career. Yeah. But to be a one-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old or whatever and, and get this. And they're just so confused. On a day of celebration. Which I guess is sort of funny for me. Oh, that's that's what you got out of this? Yeah. I enjoyed that part. <laughs> if you're Chucky. And by the way, he does it every single time. Every single kid who has a birthday. Well, here's what I think is the most horrible. Okay. Is that... You hear this clapping and this this rhythmic chanting, and people are just like Chucky, Chuck, and he must hate that so much. He must be at home. Have you ever been on the Reddit pages for Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> I have not. You creep. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't. It's like I'm like looking at. I'm not looking at other families, being like, "Hey, what's the best?" Are you? Just, but why now? You ask no, that, no. Jeff? Now I'm like rationalizing how creepy I can be on Reddit. But I was gonna say. I, can be okay listen i am not creepy on reddit let's just say this (laughs) i'm just uh, digging myself into an awful hole there's weird things that happen there the animatronic chucky who turns and like stops and looks at me and i'm like i know i feel weird too everything is bad about chucky cheese well i will say we all enjoyed ourselves the whole (laughs) family had a great time uh the one-year-old had a fantastic time and we are proudly sponsored by the good (laughs) people at chucky cheese oh my god and their d-list uh, cartoon characters That's right That's That look right. like they're from the Ukraine Did we take a picture with Chucky? Sure did Damn right we did Yeah But Chucky is not the guest on today's podcast No that's next week <laughs> We had to push it back Because we wanted to start off this month With our friend Dr. Jessica Clemens Yeah it is It is mental health month It is May And by the way As we say with, with Jess It could be mental health month every month Sure We're just happy to celebrate it With her Right now Dr. Jess, you may know her on Instagram, Ask Dr. Jess. She does these amazing, basically free consulting sessions every Sunday at Ask Dr. Jess on Instagram. So you should follow her, too. Yeah, also she's been on The Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. Beyonce has featured her. Solange has featured her. She has interviewed so many people like live, um, Swiss Beats and ASAP Ferg and Rhapsody and on and on and on. But who is she? Well, we're going to find out today, aren't we? Oh, no. I mean, I was asking rhetorically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like, wait a minute. I didn't learn anything from this this no, hour that we sat down for. No, but she's she's a great Southern girl who is extremely proud of her Southern roots. She was part of a military family. Mm-hmm. She moved around a little bit. She dealt with uh, some ups and downs over her life, as people do. And she has followed through on her dream, which is to become... A, a doctor. doctor. But then and she doesn't become a doctor. She becomes... Well, that is a doctor, Jeff. Well, she no, but is Dr. Jeff. At first, she was going to be a medical doctor. Yes. Now, she is a doctor of psychiatry. Which we celebrate because this is... Mental Health Month. That's and right. it's also the one-year-old's birthday. <laughs> um, anything else you want to tell the people before we get into this episode? Uh, yeah. I uh, had a great success. Great success. <laughs> I had great success uh, last week when I told people to review the iTunes. That was great. Love that. Had a little jingle for it. Yeah. I could do it again. I think you should. Hey, you listening to the pod, go on iTunes and review so I can save my job. One hey, more time. Hey, hey, you, you, you listening to the pod. The pod. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> save my job. My job. One more time. Hey, hey, you <laughs> listening oh, to the pod. I don't need to let it Get on iTunes and review <laughs> so, so I can, can save my job. job. When? Uh, now. Okay. <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. April 31st, a.k.a. Maybach. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Only Gets Better With Time, a.k.a. Morse Day. It's Dr. Jeff, a.k.a. 
the people psychiatrist, aka we're gonna get this done today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your third favorite podcast, the way sound is the real. Jess, what's happening? Oh my gosh, I was not prepared. <laughs> that was exciting. You didn't have an aka, but you are an aka. Oh no, you let all of your sisters down. Oh my gosh, and no one ever knows that. I'm so impressed that you know I'm an AK. I'm going to like Nardwar it up like this entire interview. (laughs) Jess, happy Mental Health Awareness Month? Yes. Or is that, is it Mary? I mean, yeah, how do you celebrate Mental Health Month? Um, By doing things like this, Mm. talking about it, talking about mental health, talking about mental illness, getting everyone excited about the conversations around taking care of our minds. We could do it like the other 11 months too, can't we? We definitely can. Yeah. I do it the other 11 months, but I think this month is really nice because a lot of people who don't talk about it are. Mm -hmm. So that's how I celebrate it. Totally. But like around like the office, are you giving everybody high fives like <laughs> May 1st like what is yeah. what is um how is the conversation different it's just that it is happening yeah that i mean honestly we're not giving each other high fives sadly but i think next year i will implement that yeah. <laughs> every day yes um but seriously i think it's a good point we should get excited about it as a community but i really think a lot of it is the excitement maybe more so in like the world outside of mental health um, like in psychiatry, we don't really talk about like, you know, I'm at Bellevue. And so we get a ton of emails about this month is this and this month is that. They haven't sent out anything for this month. So. Wow. That really fucks with your mental health. It- yeah. <laughs> and that's why you had to come up here. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, get the message out to our friends over at Bellevue, who, by the way, <laughs> our mom was hit by a car on uh, October 17th. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I and mean, she's okay. She's fine now. Yeah, yeah. Full recovery, like totally fine. But, you know. But because it was a trauma and because it was like right around the corner where she got hit, she went there. And mm. uh, our aunt actually volunteers with some children at Bellevue, but other than that, we didn't really know Bellevue very much. And our experiences there were unbelievable. Yeah. They took the best care of her and I mean, from the trauma unit to her recuperation and physical therapy, and it's really, you know, a a miracle that she's literally back to 100%. Wow. Yeah, so shouts to Bellevue. Yes, absolutely. It is really a great hospital. A big hospital, by the way. It's a huge hospital. There's so much that's happening there. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, Your definitely. experience went well. Absolutely. And also shouts to everybody at Moonstruck Diner. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot. It's funny. It's funny. There's so many hallways there, but you get used to walking around and all the different like quickest ways to get from one place to another yes. very quickly. So yeah. I like go out sometimes through like the, the trauma bay and mm-hmm. then, you know, I get in trouble. But I'm like, I work here. I work here. By the way, I wouldn't want to go through the trauma bay unless I had to. It's a fast way to get out of Bellevue. So you do what you have to do. How long have you been at Bellevue? I'm in my residency, so it's NYU residency, and Bellevue Hospital is one of those. I've been there four years. Yep. Bellevue, Tisch, or Langone Hospital, which is just next door in the VA, all of that's considered NYU Hospital. Right on. Or hospitals that NYU residents yeah. work in. Obviously, mental health is very much a part of the conversation as, as um, at large. And, you know, when people are looking for a therapist or a psychiatrist, like, what makes a good psychiatrist or a good therapist for somebody? I think the first thing to think about is good fit in terms of how you feel the first time that you meet with them. I don't think that you should expect your therapist to like... Be your friend. Absolutely. Follow you back on Instagram. No, none of that. <laughs> but you know, don't, don't actually like expect it to be this like warm and fuzzy feeling like when you're meeting someone for the first time and you really know that like this is a lifelong friend or whatever. But, but someone who looks like they're listening 
They're reflecting back to you what you're saying in a way that you feel understood. Definitely for a therapist. As far as a psychiatrist, I think looking for someone who is not quick to diagnose and really to kind of work with you over a couple of sessions before they decide what they think is going on. Because that's another issue within mental health is there's a lot of misdiagnosis that can happen. So if you're seeing a psychiatrist and they're just kind of rushing through, you know, I would kind of see about going back or getting more time to have the diagnosis fleshed out. Well, how about people's expectations going into a first meeting? Maybe like they would think that all their problems will be solved or anything will be uncovered in that first 45 minute session. That's how I approach dating. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) First meeting, everything's going to change. But honestly, like any relationship, you should have some sort of expectations, right? Yeah. So what do you, what should you expect in in a first meeting? The first meeting, do not expect your problems to be solved. I'm glad that you said that. I think I always forget that in the position I'm in. You know, I'm the one providing the care, but certainly the first session is really an opportunity for your psychiatrist or therapist just to know you and and learn about your history they're going to ask a lot of questions that really are not necessarily even what you're coming in for questions like where'd you grow up questions like you know do you use alcohol or drugs any of that but to your point the first one just expect to give a lot of information and also just to kind of fill them out a little bit oh it's like a podcast yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) so with that said jess where are you originally from I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Do you guys know where that is? Yes, I we know do. it's in Alabama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just told you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm from Huntsville. It's like a military town. Mm-hmm. So you, were your folks in the military? Yeah, my dad was in the army. Okay. So that's how we ended up there. I mean, I was born there, but my family ended up, you know, being stationed in Alabama, and that's kind of where I like grew up. I grew up there and traveled the world a little bit, but I always came right back to Alabama. So you were living off the, the, the base? It varied. So a little bit of our the time I was there, we were off of the base. And then we did move on to the base. And that was kind of interesting. They had like on, on our, literally on the porch, they had the names of the military servicemen like on the porch, like a name. Wow. It's kind of weird. Like yeah. so if you're driving through the neighborhood, you can see the name you know who exactly lives? of who lives in that house. Wow. And do you befriend then all the other kids whose parents are in the army? Yeah, I mean, when I was living on the base, absolutely. So they had like a YMCA equivalent. So I would go there after school. Really? Yeah. Is it weird or is it normal like while you're living there? It's normal, I think. Now Everyone's I think in the same it. business. Yeah. Everyone's in yeah. the same business. Um, you know, it's we. The, the, I think it felt normal also because we didn't go to school on the base. Mm-hmm. So you know, you would take the bus and then go into the the town, literally like through the military gates, and come back on the bus. And so it just felt like this was our community. So your father was active then? Yeah. And so where would he have to go? So he's been to Texas, to Korea. Um, yeah, he would travel to those areas and w- that's when we would stay. Yeah. On the base is, you can't travel to some of those places. What was Desert Storm like for you? Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, my dad wasn't, um, he didn't actually have to go luckily into like duty for war. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I recalled during that time was just the same old life that I was having. Yeah. I think what was more difficult was the times when he would have to be stationed away for us for like a year. And this is before there was social media and it's a you long know, the term. internet was just getting yeah. started. Yeah. And AOL it was like long Gallup distance phone calls and and letters. Yeah. Yeah. And actual like photographs that you have to take a picture of and get it. 
or sorry, photographs, and then you have to actually get them. Um, what do you call it when you get them? Like you go into the pharmacy and then they oh printed or yeah. 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 <laughs> I never do that. Has it been that long? <laughs> I know. So so were you in a big family? No, so it was just me, uh, my brother, and my mom and my dad. So, before. man, so shout out to your mom, first yeah. of all. Shout out to mom. A year is a long time away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when your dad comes back, do you feel like it's been forever? You do, actually, yeah. So, I recalled, you know, when he would come back, it would just feel exciting and also kind of, you know, we'd all be a little nervous to yeah. kind of get back into the swing of things. I had my mom who was disciplining and, you know, being responsible for cooking and taking us to all of wherever we needed to go. And then my dad comes back and it's like, how do you navigate that? Sure. Um, so it was stressful for the family. I mean, my parents ended up divorcing. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So I think it was because of, uh, you know, all of the stress of being a military family. Yeah. Yeah. When was, how old were you? I think I was like 13. That's like a really pivotal time. Yeah, it was. I didn't realize yeah. this was going to be a thing. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. well, I mean, maybe I it. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have, to get, I have to think about this. Yeah. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah, I bet. So. I know you did talk about on, like, Breakfast Club, like, do therapists, like, see other therapists? Yes, they should. So I'm in my own therapy. Um, you know, my journey into psychiatry was not really, like, straightforward. I thought I was going to go to medical school and do, like, family medicine or OBGYN. And I did love all of those specialties, but I really loved psychiatry. Mm. And it was while I was doing that rotation um, that, you know, I kind of decided this is what I'm going to do. And then in my residency training, one of um, my attendings, who's really phenomenal, he told me, like, you should be in your own therapy. And I thought that was bizarre, but I'm happy. Yeah, did you take that personally? No, I didn't because I really trusted him. But I think if I didn't, I would have thought you know, what do you mean? Um, because it's not a requirement. Yeah. So because it isn't, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to. And so if someone tells you that you should be in it, what do you think yeah. you know, about yourself? But I'm glad I did it. I, I think it's really important for a therapist to experience what it's like to be on the other side. And then also we all have our own biases that we bring into the room. So you're saying I should see several th- uh, therapists. <laughs> no, <laughs> only one therapist at a time. <laughs> Just keep getting second opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is your brother older or younger than you? So he's younger. Okay. So yeah, we're four years apart. Wow. So you were really like, you know, uh, not only was that a pivotal time for you when your parents split, but you're the, the older child and you lead. Yeah. So what was your guys relationship like? We were really close, mm-hmm. very competitive. Mm-hmm. I always say that my brother, his name is Isaiah. Shout out to him. Shout out to Isaiah. Um, he is so much more smart than I am. Smarter. He, smarter. <laughs> more smart, smarter. I think. <laughs> no, but he is, he's like really, really genius. So, um, I think that really kept us going in terms of pushing ourselves. I mean, he was like valedictorian when he wow. graduated from high school. I wasn't. Okay. Well, what were you into? What were you into? Yeah. Well, how many people were in your school, though? Was it 11? Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) More like 250. Okay, so that's a big size. Pretty decent size. Not nowhere near like... No, like not like thousands or whatever. Yeah. 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 But uh, what were you in? Well, my class, there was 250. Yeah. Same with mine was uh, 220, I think. Yeah. Mine was 162. Oh. Yeah. Well, because you remember... (laughs) it's a boutique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You remember who finished 162. So it's like, that's why it's like you remember the number. But um, what were you into like in high school? 
I was a cheerleader. Okay. I think you can tell by, is that it? <laughs> so I was a cheerleader. Um, I was in the band. I played alto saxophone. Right on. Dope. Yeah, I did not march. I All did right. concert band. Um, I was really into that. I was like first chair, between second chair all the time. All right. I was in every organization and club. Um, What's the strangest organization you were part of? Looking I, back. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I think when I was basically like we a part of like the sweethearts for this fraternity that was a high school fraternity called OBSI. Okay, that, that was weird. really yeah, weird. Yeah. Yeah. What was my job? Like, I don't know. We just would like hold the jackets. At, like, <laughs> it was really weird. So it I sounds was part like of it. yeah, that's like you know, it's from a time when when printing was still happening. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so was there like an active like thought in your mind where you're just like, I'm going to be a part of everything because it's going to pay off later on. Like it'll help me get into schools or. Yeah, absolutely. And at the time, because of the printing, you wanted to have like the most pictures in the, the yearbook. Oh, right on. So that was a part of why we started to just join all the clubs. Yeah. So I actually should go back and look. I'm sure I'm like, yeah, page. you're all over that yearbook. We're your yearbook club. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was. I don't remember what I did, but I was on it so I could get in the picture. <laughs> I'm making myself sound so bad, but really, I was like a part of like the National Honor Society. Oh, so was Jeff, yeah, yeah, yeah all of the me, not so much. Stuff. I'm, you know, dumb. Yeah, less smart. Yeah, less yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you enjoy high school? I loved it. Did you get your driver's license on the first time? I did. Okay, um, but we had this course. It, it was driver's ed, and did you guys take that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did your driver's ed like? Did the car have two steering wheels? Yeah, yeah, because and they would have to. Yep. Because mm -hmm. yeah. so they I, can't trust you to just you know, <laughs> yeah. drive off into like take this as a as a hijack situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought that was so weird, but I knew I wasn't that like great of a driver right away. Although now I'm like excellent mm -hmm. because we had to drive like down this one road, and then the next person would drive back. I had to drive down and back both times. Oh, you needed the help? Yeah, I think I needed the help. <laughs> I thought that you were like most confident, that you were just like killing it. No, it Voted was most confident he in kept slamming the brakes on my, like, on my turn. <laughs> what was Huntsville like as a teenager? Would you go to see movies out in the city? Or? Well, because like a lot of concerts aren't going through they Huntsville. They definitely don't go there. Yeah. No. So like what is there to was do? Was there a mall? Like what was the... Yes. Where, where, where would we hang out? So great question. So the mall definitely like... Um, during prom, everyone would get dressed up and then take their laps around the mall so people could see, you know, before Instagram, right? You got to get... It was like a parade? It was like, not yeah. not an actual parade, but like that's where you would go just before going to prom. Man. And really were there weird. like a lot of people out there? Or yeah, was it just like, it wasn't just like one, just like, you know, 40-year-old guy. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Maybe on Saturdays. Saturdays were like the busiest night for the mall and it was really just a fashion show. People would just walk around... Wow. I know. And then the other thing we would do, and this is so Southern, but we would go to the Checkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like, restaurant. The fast food yeah. store. Uh, yeah. yeah. And drive our cars around so much that it would get like jammed up and mm -hmm. the police would come and everyone would have to scatter. Right. And then we'd drive, everyone would drive down to another gas station of the road and yeah. do the same thing. I want thing. you to keep going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so fun. But this is also during the time where like, there were cars with like a lot of the the rims and like sure. candy paint, so it was really like a cool time. And the music would be loud. Yeah. So I grew up really in like Southern Ratchet yeah. kind of like. You get your driver's license to drive to, to Checkers. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like come out and like you know you get your food, but it's really about being seen. Is you know you did you did not have social media. Did you then when you went to prom? Did you drive in one of those cars to prom? 
No, so my mom was strict. I had to like ride. I think she drove me to Prague. Okay. But and it wasn't she like showed up one year. It wasn't everyone like gets together in one limo to go. It's like everyone shows up individually. Yeah, everyone gotcha. showed up individually. Now gotcha. after graduation, mm-hmm. you were really cool if you got a stretch limo, and then you would just ride around town in that too. <laughs> <laughs> so there's basically a lot of driving, is what I remember about my teen years in high school. Yeah. Did you want to leave? Absolutely not because I didn't enjoy it, but I always had like a big vision of just what my life would be. So I always thought I'd live in New York city. Really? Like, always. Well, was that many... from like movies or from, I don't know. My mom says it's because my dad would, there was that like commercial with, um, picante sauce or some, something like, and they would say this was made in New York city. Do you guys remember that? commercial? No. Whatever. So <laughs> it was, it was a commercial that basically said salsa could not be made in New York city. And they would look at the, like, and say New York City, and my mom said you kept saying that all the time, you and your dad. So she, she thinks that's where it came. So from. nothing to do with your profession or like social life or anything. It was just like I will go where I will the salsa go where the picante <laughs> sauce is. How do I get to the picante sauce? They said it couldn't be done. Listen, you plant seeds. That's without, right. Like seeds are planted without even really knowing yeah. where it came from. But I, that's probably it. Chipotle. <laughs> but then I don't know. I just always imagine now that I'm like reflecting. New York City was just a place where it was big and like filled with dreams and lights and so much different than what I recalled growing up. Did you have any relatives up here? None. Did any anyone from your high school class say that they were going to go to New York City? Nobody. So you were like, okay, I'm going to leave Alabama. I'm going to never turn back. I'm, I'm not going to roll tide. Line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you went to school in state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I graduated, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to date myself. But I graduated from high school the year of the um, terrorist attacks, 9-11. So that really shifted things a lot. Yeah. Sure. Um, for me, I think it then became, and you know, I'm also like very concerned about my family. So I wouldn't want to move to New York and, and pursue this if they were going to be worried. Sure. So yeah, I decided to stay in Alabama and I went to a histor- historically black college. Right. Tuskegee University. Right, yep. right on. You guys know about that? Yes, of course. We do. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I went there and that was also really important, I think, in terms of building confidence. It's a great place. Um, Did you ever consider any of the other schools around Atlanta? Uh, I don't know if I did. I think at that time I was really focused on trying to get the most scholarships mm-hmm. and Tuskegee gave me a full ride. Wow. So I was like, I'm going there. Yeah. 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 And then I had like enough scholarship money where I thought I'd get to have like some money in my pocket, yeah. but that didn't work out Damn. that way. But did you enjoy your time at Tuskegee? I loved it. Yeah. I ran for Miss Tuskegee. I almost won. I was first attendant. What year did you run? 2005 so your senior year yeah my senior year okay yep, so you usually run your senior year my freshman year I ran for like Miss Black and Gold which is like the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity they're like queen mm-hmm. so I ran for that I won and everyone was pissed like congratulations they, they were pissed they're like how's a freshman going to hold this position and well how did you I held it with y- yeah. grace yeah, yeah. yeah. honor <laughs> yeah honor <laughs> Well, what comes with that? Do you have to do like charitable things or something? You do. Yeah. Like, yeah, we had to participate in some of the like charitable events that they would have. And then they also have like a state competition and that's kind of where it keeps going. You didn't get to sit in like the first car at checkers? <laughs> <laughs> if I had thought about it, yeah, I would have my crown on too. Yeah. Do you keep your crown? Yes. It's still in a little plastic baggie. Oh, amazing. Wait, what are some other things that you have kept from like your childhood? Um, so I broke my elbow in third grade, my left elbow, fractured it. And 
I kept that cast for like just about until a couple years ago. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Was it signed? It was signed. It was like retro. It it was like colorful and everyone in my class signed it. What made you throw it out? I think my mom tossed it. <laughs> I think she just got rid of it. Like we moved again from my house. So, you know, when you have your like childhood room, yeah. everything, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. So as she was moving, I think that got Did lost. she tell you? Did she, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I looked for it because I used to test and see if my arm could still fit in it. It kind of could. <laughs> you were a very so, tall third grader. <laughs> okay. You kept your cast. I kept all of my AKA paraphernalia, like memorabilia. I kept all that. Kept like photos, um, teddy bears. Okay. You know, but I think again, it's because the room is like still there. And did you keep any of the money from any of the charities that you helped? <laughs> <laughs> I never actually got to touch any of the money. Oh, so you were just there for show. That's just right. There, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. what a treasurer is for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you have to do like a a, a special wave? Yeah. Oh my god! Do you um, have a scepter or something like that? No what? scepter. You okay. only get the scepter, I believe, if you actually like are in a black frat. No, <laughs> I think you get the scepter if you're like, m- like Miss Alabama or like the oh. actual like royalty. Yeah, yeah. Like actual royalty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that was your freshman year. Did you like your roommates? Yes. Yeah, so my roommates were all pretty cool. Like That's everyone great. was from out of town somewhere. Like a lot of my friends were from California. My first roommate was from. A small town in Alabama, I believe, like Pritchard or something, and she was really nice and very, we were both really like homely in some way. Um, so it was nice to have someone to kind of explore the university and stuff with. So yeah, and then my third year, I really got tired of having roommates. <laughs> That's after like two, mm-hmm. so I stayed in a single room dorm. I'm a little bit of a loner. Oh really? A little bit, even though I'm extroverted and. But I do like my alone time. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to always like look at someone in their bed, you know. Yeah. Well, okay. How so can you don't have to like, you know, uh, explain why you would go to a single room as opposed to living yeah. in a room of like four <laughs> <know>. people. <laughs> well, okay. Just jumping forward a little bit, like okay. being in New York City, how can you express your uh, being alone time? The subway. The subway makes you feel alone? Um, it does a little bit. I, I think because I really, I, I tune into like music or books or I get through emails and I find that it is even though it's crowded it is a time where you're by yourself yeah yeah um that I also take walks you know have you ever traveled alone I have but usually when I arrive I already like have a family member who's there so I haven't that is a goal I want to actually oh really I've never done it Jeff has yeah I loved it I um I went to Barcelona and Paris um I know it makes it makes me sound like very cosmopolitan (laughs) but um but I was broke at the time, and so. But I, I would, I would, I would just like walk through Barcelona, and I would walk through Paris, and I was just like, man, this is just so different and so so cool. Um, but I didn't know anybody out there. I became friends with like the people I stayed in their Airbnbs. That was it. That's so nice. Yeah. Did Do you speak the language? Um, like French. I mean, or? I can. So I, I, when I was in Barcelona, I would speak Spanish. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 I have serviceable Spanish. Mm-hmm. And but. One, they don't speak Spanish there. And two, <laughs> every time I would talk, I would say this whole preamble about how, like, I'm so sorry, my Spanish is not good. In and, Spanish? Like, in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every single time, the people would be like, okay, stop. stop. <laughs> just just speak to me in English. Just, just stop. <laughs> but, like, I had to, like, get it off to, to 
you know, make myself feel like I'm doing my due diligence or whatever. Yeah, sure. And same in, in France, and I don't even know French. <laughs> <laughs> you would still use Spanish there? No, I would use French there. Oh. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, my French is no good. And they would just be like, just buy the baguette and get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do wonder now if that, like, uh, so you can use, like, Google Translate or something mm -hmm. like that to just, like, put it over some text and it'll magically turn into English. Is that cheating? Like, is that not fully embracing another country and their heritage and their, like, mm. language? I don't know. Yeah, I just feel yeah. like nobody, like, we're putting so much thought into things that nobody actually cares about. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like the locals are just like, whatever is easiest, like, yeah. so you're not in my face trying to speak my language, like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, use the Google Translate. Go for it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to do what you have to do. And if you're visiting, you're in and out. Yeah. yeah. You know, so at Tuskegee, clearly we know that you're driven in high school. We know that you're very social in, in high school. Mm. Um, did that translate in college? It did. It continued. And I think also what was unique for me was it was really the first time where I was in like a all black in environment. Like yeah. My high school was pretty diverse, still more black students there than other groups. But it was purely like everyone on campus, my professors. And so that really gave me an opportunity to learn a lot about myself and to learn like I'm, you know, there's nuance in terms of who I am. And yes, while that happens in high school, I feel like college years are really the time where you start to flesh that out. Totally. So yeah, I was really known for being the smart kid and there were definitely football players who would look at my test. Really? Yeah. I kind of let people. Yeah. This really? was like nice. Yeah. I mean, like, first like, of all, that is the do? nice thing to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you can look. Yeah. But what happens if you get in trouble because they cheated off your your thing? Well, I mean, you have to be smart about it. So I yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I definitely. That's what made you the smart person. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't give them your entire. <laughs> yeah. But I knew when people would look, just, yeah. you know, I wasn't the kind of person that would hover over my test and mm -hmm. try to like prevent it. Like, fine. Right. You can get these three or four questions, mm -hmm. right? But when I'm finished, mm -hmm. I'm done. So oh, it really see what I used to do was I would just like literally hand my paper off. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> like I was brazen about it. That is so that that's what that's what shows you about like the difference in race dynamics yeah, in this yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. What yes. a white man can get away with. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably would have been kicked out of class. Yeah, I was definitely doing that in like seventh grade, eighth grade. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. everybody could get some. Anybody who wants Spanish answers, to here you go. Oh my god. Yeah. So, what were some of your favorite classes in school? I loved um, organic chemistry. I got to shout out Dr. Russell. So this is college level chemistry. Yeah. Well, for medical school, you have to end up. You oh. do have to take organic chemistry. Gotcha. So it was college level, but I really only took it. Because so how long were you pre med? Like you were like from the jump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> I knew I wanted to become a doctor, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I want to say it with confidence because I believe I was really confident then too when I was like five or six. Whoa. Yeah. I like was telling my parents I'm going to be a doctor. And is that what your parents wanted for you as well? Or like, they where did that come us from? to be professional. Professional meaning like, like, cause the professional can sound like, um, the drivers in Ferris Bueller's day off. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like professional what? <laughs> yeah. I'm a professional. I yeah. knew I set myself up when I said it like that. <laughs> Well, by the way, like I'm, I'm like you, right? Okay. I was so driven. I was so focused to my parents' chagrin. Like they were just like, can't, like you want to be a filmmaker. Can't you like, you know, wait until grad school or something like that. And I was like, nope, time is short. I need to get ahead of all my competition. This it. is my destiny. And like, I'm going to work towards it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, my brothers, I guess Dan went. Yeah. Dan had an idea of what he wanted to do. I more of a straight path. Yeah. I, uh, it took me seeing almost famous to realize I wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I didn't really have like a clear idea. Yeah, but but you were focused. You were, you know, you had one goal and that was it. I think it also came out of necessity. Um, you know, so my parents both are from Detroit. My dad joined the military, I think really because he knew he had gotten married and they were going to have a family and to really take care of his family. So my parents instilled in us early, like education is important and you know, you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. You don't like college I thought was a requirement. I didn't know that people could choose not to go. Right, right, right. So early on they just taught us the importance of really looking for a career that is more like a profession, like becoming a lawyer or engineer or doctor. So they maybe in some ways planted that. But early on, like they just really instilled that. And I think it came from, you know, their experience of not having a whole lot. Um and really just thinking about what that could look like for us if we had the same, my brother and I. Yeah. Well, okay. So was the fear of like all the money that has to go into a medical education a real thing? It wasn't because I realized that the medical school, like they give you a ton of money and yes, you have to pay it back. But the whole premise of it is that your focus is purely to learn how to become a doctor or learn to be a doctor. So they give you all of the money that you need. And did you have a specific like type of medicine that you wanted to practice or that you felt you wanted to practice? Like general medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the kind of doctor that you go in and see when you're a kid, yeah, pediatrician yeah, yeah. or just, yeah. you know, a family doctor. General and medicine was my favorite guy on the base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great dude. Yeah. Um, what is pre-med like? So at Tuskegee, there wasn't a specific like pre-med track, um, meaning they, you know, you are responsible for meeting with your advisor and learning what the requirements are or were for uh, medical school. So it wasn't just like a track that you had to take all of these classes to stay in. So for me, it was just a matter of like, I, I, I majored in biology and so I just did all of that. And then I paid attention to additional courses like organic chemistry and some other stuff. So it just felt like an extension of high school, just focus and by the way shout out to your brother for being smarter than the one who majors in biology and takes <laughs> chemistry and is driven to be a doctor and all of that isaiah is a good man a he, smart yes. man he's a chemical engineer so oh. that's Whoa. even oh. harder I, biology was easy compared to what he did <laughs> but you liked your chemistry class and shout I, out to who was it doctor dr russell all right he was so cool so he was like he's at the time young african-american um professor and you know he would come in like dressed casually but like obviously knew his stuff and it was just really inspiring to see someone who looked like me and also was cool yeah to teach something like this and so his wife is a medical doctor and he invited those of us who also wanted to be medical doctors to come over for dinner and like meet her how his dope wife. is that it was so nice so yeah. these little things actually are so important for people who are looking for inspiration or need it, black folks especially. Yeah. yeah. In your four years at Tuskegee, what is the best experience that you feel like you were so thankful to have? I think homecoming. Yeah, you guys watched Beyonce's Netflix For sure. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure you guys were at Coachella. We weren't. We were not, oh, but thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I see you all everywhere. I know. <laughs> um, that is just like the most incredible experience it's just it's so much fun it's just food everywhere it's just like a really good vibe the music a lot of just like catching up with people who like graduated so homecoming is definitely an experience i'm so glad i have and did you feel that that love and singular experience while you were in it or did it take reflection after graduating to know what you had 
Definitely after graduating, you miss it. So yeah, I think I feel it more now when I go back and then you realize also like people who aren't there and, you know, and reflecting on why they're not, you know, we've lost friends um, also. So, but when you're in it, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a strong feeling. That's It's dope. incredible. Why did you choose AKA or why did AKA choose you? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, my mother always wanted to be an AKA. And I was still obviously in that phase of my life where I was pleasing my parents. So that's why I chose AK. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> it wasn't for like Sorry, the pink AK. and green. It wasn't for the, yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, I just always felt so dope on my own. Right. And yeah. so I, I didn't like, I, I pledged my senior year. That late? Yeah. So for me, it wasn't. You just like, did it for like you were like, okay, so I'm a I'm a kappa or whatever, and then like you left. <laughs> or alpha? What is it? AKA. Yeah. yeah. But kappa is the guy. Right. Kappa alpha psi. My brother yeah. is a kappa alpha psi. By yeah. the way, so uh, our parents were Greek, and mm. they because I'm the older child. I mean, they were in frat uh, frat and sorority. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, didn't, I didn't want you to be it's like implied. Our parents that were Jews. Greek. Yeah. 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 Um, but they, but they were both like, oh my God, you know, Eric's going to college. He's going to be in the Greek system and all that. And I was yeah. like, no, I'm good. Like I'm socially great and I don't need that for me. It wasn't like I need to be plugged into the system to make that happen. You waited until your senior year to be part of that group. Was there a social aspect to that? Were you like, hey, yeah, I want to be a part of, of something bigger? Or did you just want to pay for something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a combination of both. I mean, at the time, I had already ran for Miss Tuskegee without even being a part of a sorority. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's just like tradition and making your parents proud. So, you know, I joined it because because of those reasons, but also, I mean, they do have a number of pr principles that in the long run, you know, are reflective of my own, but it yeah. really was, it really was like tradition is so it's baked rich. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just almost feels like if you don't do it, then you're kind of odd. So you had to like rush. Well, it's different. So in like black sororities and fraternities it's actually taboo. If you are known for liking other sororities or fraternities so it it actually is frowned upon if you kind of are just like i want to just be in a sorority and then you know it's usually between delta aka zetas are also um popular but if you show an interest in one and then you shift that's kind of like bad news yeah so that was kind of part of what they thought about me and i'll tell everyone my line name was babar like the, the elephant? elephant the royal elephant clever right yeah, yeah, yeah that was why they thought i wanted to do delta and you know fine but see so it, it even was like not good to yeah be known for that man yeah but so, i think it was because i hadn't chosen anything so they could so when you meet a fellow aka now do you <laughs> is there any type of like um anything that comes out of that you guys saw my eyes I, yeah <laughs> Um, really, this is so bad. Oh my gosh. Um, not so much. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't been active since, since I pledged. Listen, I mean, we, we have a lot of friends who are in sororities who are just like, it's not something that continues and it's yeah. not, a these a, are not my sisters. A for real life. relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After graduation, mm -hmm. um, are you again, making it your mission to get out of town and uh, and come up to New York City. 
funny how that works. So I thought I was going to get right into medical school, mm-hmm. but I took the MCAT and I didn't pass it the first time. Well, what what does that entail? Is it like studying like twenty four seven? Is yes. it and it's there's one date to take it or at that time there were like two dates a year. Okay, so it was like it was still paper and now it's totally different. Um, and I think yeah, you had like twice a year you could take it. It was either you took it and then you would have a score back before you applied. Or you took it at the time of year where you had already applied and you were waiting on your score. My God. So I took it that round. But yeah, I didn't realize that you had to actually study 24-7. So I was like in my bed studying. like Super casual. Super casual. You have a job at the same time. Yeah, I was flipping through the book. Like it's fine. I did these classes. But it was a very difficult test. So I had to go home. So I went back home. How how soul-crushing was that? I was just... I thought I wasn't going to pursue. I thought I wasn't going to be able to get into medical school after you that. You have one dream, and this is just like driving you off the road. Like a shop car. <laughs> Why? Shop on Instagram.com. The shop car is here. <laughs> Letting you know is that, that we've got mugs for sale. Is that the library truck of, of, of shops? <laughs> it's a big white van. Come on Come in. Come on in. And buy We're a going mug. to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> get a T-shirt. Get a what else do we have? We rhyme have, books. Rhyme books for sale, signed or unsigned. Someone was asking about signed rhyme books. I said, go to itsthereal.com/shop. Guess what? Like a shop car. See, it's already picking up. Itsthereal.com/shop. Get your mugs, your T-shirts, your rhyme books. You can also get a newsletter. Newsletters are for sale. News. <laughs> Newsletters are free. Let's get that straight. It's yeah. thereal.com. And now back to Dr. Jess. And so when that happens, how do you like recalibrate? Like what, what did, did you think I'm going to have to do something else? Or was it just like, no, I'm going to actually buckle up and, and try this again? I think I was stuck in the middle of those two thoughts for a while. Um, part of it was I had told everyone I was going to be a doctor. So now, you know, I have to explain myself right, every yeah. time I'm not like, you're, right. you're still not in medical school. So I knew I couldn't just quit, but I thought, I thought I had given everything I could to that test. So I really felt like, well, maybe I'm not smart enough. Actually. You're so, no Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> no Isaiah. Um, but I, I, so I ended up taking a job at like, um, a federally funded health program and like was working in the clinic there helping out with like the nursing staff and I ended up working after that because a drug rep came in and you know I had my like degree so I went into that field for like a couple of years and while I was there the doctors were would ask like what's your story and I would say oh I was going to go to med school so they were all just like give me a break like you can't do this and so that's really what kind of got me back focused and, and inspired so I did a post back program Called at Southern Illinois University called MedPrep. The Salukis? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. a great program. Anybody listening to who's interested in med- medicine, MedPrep, it was great. So they really got me back focused and I took the MCAT and I did so well. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank but you. I do want to talk about um, so you were a drug rep and you were running around the country, right? Because that's like you have to like drive around and go to different places to educate doctors on what all these, these uh, prescriptions are, right? Yeah. That's a very lonely experience, I think, right? It is, but so I, that's where I like got my driving skills up even more. Uh-huh. Yeah, killing I'm driving, yeah. yeah, killing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, not like literally killing anyone. <laughs> right, right, right. It. Yeah. <laughs> and my Impala was really nice. All right. Um, that's like all of the company cars. So I, 
it was lonely, but you you meet like other reps along the way, and you end up just talking on the phone. It was kind of yeah. Well, how big was your? My territory was two cities in Alabama. By oh, the way, bad. Um, I thought it was gonna be like states. There no, was, no. There was yeah. a girl who uh, used to do that who went to high school with Jeff. Um, Marissa, yep, who drove around and would talk to the OnStar. <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> like that was her like connection, you know. <laughs> no, so I would listen to music a lot. That's how I, um, I love like American Gangster. I remember I could still imagine the road I was down, like driving down. It was a country road. Yeah, no cell phone service, so I had that whole album like pretty much memorized. Man. Don't ask me to. Yeah, say yeah, anything no, we won't. Yeah. Well, no, my real question is, have you wrapped it for Jay? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, but maybe I should. Yeah, yes. I, I think you should too. Um, Do your own B-sides. Exactly. Yeah. So after college, I did, our parents, you know, would press me into like, take a temp job, like just, you know, because they, they didn't share the vision at the time, you know, and I did take a temp job that was uh, around you know, event planning for these pharmaceutical companies. Mm. And it always struck me as so dirty. I was just like, mm. we're making the coolest event so that these doctors will use this medicine and it's based off the popularity of it and the fun time that they had in that evening rather than perhaps the medical effects of this actual medicine. Um, did you have any points where you were just like, I, I don't know how I feel about this? So at the time I didn't, um, I worked for J and J and so I think already they just have like a very positive kind of, you know, um, reaction when people think about that company. Yeah. So that was, I think one piece of it. And, and the medication that I was responsible for kind of representing was an antibiotic. And so, you know, That's people need a that. good medicine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait, were you miss antibiotic? I was, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I would come in the With office. The scepter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would come in the office and they would just like, oh, yes, let her back. Um, so that was nice to finally yeah. <laughs> have it all. Um, but I think after the fact, so, you know, a lot changed even when I was there. So, you know, you could only spend so much on dinners or lunch. So they took out a lot of the lavish, I think, history of what it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I found that doctors were not as impressionable. That's good. And a lot of them would push back if I, you know, present it. Well, this is one difference between this medication and think about it for this patient. Um, so I wasn't really that great at selling also as I think I wasn't really pushing that this is why you should do this. Um, but generally, for my experience, I think it was pretty positive. That's good. But, you know, I, I can un certainly understand why now it's it's certainly not really an area that like NYU doesn't allow reps. You mm -hmm. know, most academic um, institutions don't allow drug reps. And so. So you would drive around for a couple of years? Yeah. So I did it for like a year and a half. Wow. And while I was um, in my final kind of stretch, I had applied to that post back program. And mm -hmm. then I left. Also, the company like restructured. I think they actually, I think I was like cut out with the restructuring just before I was actually about to leave. So it was nice. I got like a yeah. severance yeah. pay. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, after your time at Southern Illinois, where did you go? Then I went to New York. Okay. Well, just before I did like a year of just living my life and, you know, going out at, to parties in Atlanta and all that fun stuff. So you did live in Atlanta? I didn't live there, but oh, okay. I lived close enough that mm -hmm. we would like drive and. Yeah. And so when you decided to move to New York for real. Mm-hmm. Was it like you packed up your car and just went, you know, one way and just didn't look back? Absolutely. So I don't I just I actually remember. So we had 
Cornell has like these dorms basically for the first year. So I just had like bought a mattress and brought that in. And then the next year when I had an apartment, I didn't have anything in it. My mom just came up and we like went and bought everything in a couple of days. So yeah, I just left everything. Was New York overwhelming for someone who had never lived here before? I think at first it was, but we traveled so much as like when I was a kid. It was just so exciting. So you, you had been to New York? Yeah, I went to actually, I went to New York when I was in high school. And I have photographs with the Twin Towers, mm. like, in the background. So, yeah, but I think I just felt like, I mean, New York is pretty easy with, you know, the grid. And yeah. I was living close enough to a train that it was fun to ride the train because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't commuting. Yeah. Now it's not so fun. But um, I felt like it was just really cool. And I met with some people pretty quickly and they became, like, my family. So I really think I adjusted well. I felt I, like, fit right in. Yeah. I always felt like I was a small, a big fish in a small pound. Small yeah. pond. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to feeling like, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? Like, I, I've just been dropped into this thing. Um, and so you were living, like, where in the city? Upper East Side. Mm. Oh, I mean, not my favorite area. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, mine yeah, either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially like, you were where, where on the East Side were you? So, like, 70th and 1st. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's like oh. next All to the, the river. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's like nothing there. Right. You I, have to. To get to the subway, you have to walk all the way to, to Lexington. I mean, that's, yep, at that's that time. a long yeah. walk, especially in the cold. <laughs> yeah. But but like during that time, I really just kind of hung out by campus anyways. We mm-hmm. were studying and back and forth, basically. Studying yeah. to back to your apartment. And studying. wait, where is the Cornell campus? So the, I'm sorry, the medical school is actually inside the hospital, inside um New York Presbyterian. Oh, so it's right there. It's right there. Yeah. So literally. Yeah. When yeah. you're like, oh, I spend a lot of time by the hospital. It's yeah. like, right, your apartment is in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> literally. So you have York Avenue yeah. and then first. And we were right on 70th. And I mean, that was like the, we would hear a lot of ambulance, like sirens, because it comes right down there. Okay. And you're living inside a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. And, and if you stay as a resident, the towers are next door and they actually have like a tunnel that you can go under your apartment and go directly into the hospital. Oh, so no. your whole life your whole is life just is there. That. I couldn't yeah, do that no. for my own residency. Everything about that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so w- what was your medical school experience like? Was it was it just overwhelming? Absolutely. So medical school is the first time when I realized that I wasn't as smart as I thought <laughs> I was. <laughs> well, because everybody's like on your level. Oh my gosh. Everyone right. is intelligent. Everyone's driven. Um, you know, again like i came from an environment where my studying style worked yeah you know i didn't really have to do more than just like sit in bed and flip through a couple times or maybe read it in my car people were like killing it on the exams and i was finding myself struggling um and then i was also like for the first time in an environment where i was like an actual minority in terms of numbers so that was also really kind of a culture shock yeah um how many other african-americans were in your program five of five out of 101 holy cow yeah and 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 technically um you know one person was um west african um another's east african haitian so like there was very different experiences yeah exactly yeah Yeah, i mean they were still american but their families were also right yeah yeah so i mean it was really different then you know i like to consider myself like black black i'm like i grew up where we were driving around the checkers and we're playing like boozy or whatever yeah Yeah. yeah. we're like listening to project pat and then i'm in an environment where people are not really sure how to receive me 
And I, it's, it was so different than all of my experiences where I could be campus queen and still be smart. And, you know, so it was definitely difficult. Um, Who could you lean on? So I, I met my husband. I met Law. Um, he was definitely an outside kind of resource, right? So he was so encouraging. And, like, we have a lot of really good memories in terms of him helping me out while I was studying and just, you know, making sure I was okay. And so he would give a lot of good advice. And then I did find, like, a core group of girls who were all different, Jewish. I learned about wasps. I didn't know uh, what that was. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. That that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course yeah. you can say yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You lived on the Upper, upper East Side. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, I'm one. Yeah. <laughs> but we, like, we formed the Gunner Bitch Club. The Gutter Bitch Club. Gunner Bitch Club. Oh, Gunner Bitch Club. So in medical school, the gunners are like the people who are just not just smart, but like they are trying to like be the top. Yeah like student mm-hmm. so it's not really like good to be a gunner mm-hmm. <laughs> so my friend her now husband um he would like come in when we were studying and we would just be chatting not really studying <laughs> like, what is this the gunner bitch club and so we got mugs with that's, it oh, that's great <laughs> that's really great so shout out to leah i yeah. love you <laughs> was law a good study partner he um he was like he would let me listen to his heart with the stethoscope you know and oh so he was like He's like my patient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say like, you know, flip cards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like was he learning a lot of like terms just yeah. like. Not like that. Really just helping me to like stay focused. And we only mm-hmm. ask you because Law refuses to do this podcast, which has been a long running thing. Uh, Law, for people out there who may not know, is Law Parker, who works at Rock Nation. And he has had an open invitation to come on the podcast. And also, he like built hip hop. I know. Yeah. But beyond that. Anyway. I love it. Yes. Thank yeah. 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 Yes. So um, where did you guys meet, by the way? We met at Nipsey Hussle's show at Irving, Irving Plaza. Wow. And it was two days before Law's birthday. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. So I was there supporting a friend who was opening for him. And interestingly, I was listening to Nipsey Hussle like, when I, during medical school because I was struggling with like this identity. Who am I? And Bigger Than Life I had like on repeat yeah. all the time. And still that, that like song gets me really inspired. So we met there, and then literally we never separated. Well, what was it? What was it about him that you really like fell for? I fell for the fact that he was not really pressed to like talk to me. So, (laughs) so the story is, I was running late, um, and it's on like our wedding website. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's cool. But he, I was running late. My friend said, "Okay, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in with our friend who's opening. You know, this guy says like he can let you in. So I don't know what Law's role was. I don't know if he was promoting or what. I don't know what he was doing. But he was a person that I texted. So he let, you know, he comes to the front. I don't even remember him in that moment, but I just know I get in. And then he never says anything else. <laughs> but meanwhile, like every other guy was just like, eh, well, right. you know, yeah, trying to talk to you. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, that's where you're used to. And so usually if a guy has your number, they'll like message you instantly. <laughs> he didn't do that. But the next day he followed up because I got a little excited. And I was some guy called me a nurse and I was like, what? That's cool. And so he like, You're like I'm a gunner bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of gutter like, bitch. Yeah. yeah, it was after a night of, you know, cocktails. And <laughs> so he followed up. And that just that's what I really loved. I yeah. love that he was like low key. And then when I started to learn about him, I'm like, this guy's a book. And like you said, hip hop in the store was just. I was so fascinated. He is very Southern, too. Yeah. yeah. Southern gentleman. Yes. So, and he uh, wears a Rock Nation hat, so he must be important. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, so okay, so you, you and you and Law were, were good study partners. Yes. And you were making your way through medical school. 
at what point do you uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel? You're like, I'm I'm gonna be a real doctor. Oh, mm, that's such a good question. I'm trying to think about when was that moment. Oh my goodness, I think it really came for me after step one, which is like an important test. We have so many exams we have to take. And I passed it. Because mind you, like my experience with exams were just very anxiety provoking. Like the MCAT didn't go well the first time. So I think it was after I passed that and I knew that I would be able to choose like what specialty I wanted to do. And I can explain that. But um, I think that was a moment where I was like, oh, this is real. Because if you don't pass that test or, you you know, you kind of get stuck in this this cycle of you need to get this test done and then the more times you take it it just looks bad for residency programs it's like the most important exam that you have while you're in medical school so I think it clicked then Mm. um and then really like residency is when it hits you yeah well what was your residency like it's been great so but at the beginning oh at the beginning I mean you're so it's 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 very it's pretty scary at first. So you go from wearing these short white coats. I know, I don't know if you guys saw at Bellevue, right? Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of the, those are medical students. They, they, you know, were not allowed to wear the long white coat. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know the difference. So you get this long white it's coat. It's like chefs. <laughs> <laughs> like only some people can wear the black one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I remember, I think the first day when I had that coat on and now people call you doctor mm-hmm. and everyone else typically just calls you by your first name or whatever. So it was really surreal and then you realize oh shit i have to know something yeah and then you realize you do like you know enough and you're in an environment where you have more senior residents you have attending so it really is a great way to learn and uh do you go and experience all the different um like wings and all the different experiences that's in med school okay so yeah in med school you try on every specialty so surgery um emergency OBGYN, PEDS, What was your least favorite? I didn't like PEDS, mm. pediatrics. And and you said before that you wanted to work I with. I yeah. <laughs> I was so scared I was going to like break the baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was something about like you had to do this little um, exam where you're listening, like you move their hips to listen for, for clicks. And that exam was just really kind of scary. Like why am I moving a, babies? A live baby. Yeah, in this way. So I, I didn't really like PEDS. And I also, they're not just small adults. Like they, they have, we, we had a total different um, way of thinking about like their illnesses and it just, it really was difficult for me. Mm. So I didn't like that. Um, I loved OBGYN. Wow. I love that one. I could catch the baby, but I didn't want to like. Yeah, right. Exactly. Babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I came in thinking like OBGYN general. Um, so I really did like OB and I really considered that and I did additional rotation. So I rotated in gynecologic oncology so that's really where you're dealing with cancers of the you know gynecologic system so ovarian cancers uterine cancers so I I did some time in that um and I loved it but it's just a very long road yeah uh very long road so you it's 40 years of school (laughs) (laughs) right it's like four years of OBGYN and then four more years of that surgical specialty so I would I'm like I'm finishing my four-year residency now right if I did something like that I'd still be looking at another four years of a fellowship oh my god it's just long yeah um so I I love that though and um psychiatry yeah 
yeah, it was really the rotation that I had during medical medical school that really shifted my mind into this. I never thought I'd be a psychiatrist. I honestly, I didn't even know psychiatrists were medical doctors before hmm. med school. There's a lot of things that are a lot of tests, a lot of like stress that's that's happening, and knowing that whatever works for your anxiety might not work for everybody else. But like, what were some things that you did to combat your own anxiety? Yeah, so when I started learning about it, definitely in, in med school, I had no clue about it, honestly. It just was not something we talked about in like my home or community. So it wasn't until residency where I'm actually like a psychiatry resident. I'm, you know, going to these lectures. I started to do like yoga um, as a way to really get in touch with like breathing. And I find that that's something most people don't think about. That when you're feeling anxious and your heart's racing, that if you can just come to your breath, learn how to slow it down a bit, you'll notice that your heart rate also comes down. So yoga was something I started and I loved, and then I got in my own therapy. And I found that that was also a place just to let out things I'm thinking, but also things I'm not sure about, things I'm still trying to figure out. I think that um, there's a lot of people out there who probably don't take, well, certainly don't take their mental health seriously mm -hmm. or, or the idea of mental health seriously. Um, I think people look at um, and it's unfortunate they look at like the rest of your body in terms of medicine as more important. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like you found people who felt that way while you were choosing to focus on mental health rather than a physical rest of the body health? In terms of choosing my specialty? Yeah, thinking that it's a lesser type of position. Absolutely. The same way that like, people think that dentists aren't real doctors, which they're not, am I right? <laughs> we are, all of us in this room... Jess is so uncomfortable with this joke. <laughs> Jess is like, I know a lot of dentists. I have to see a dentist this yeah. week. I love I my, my dentist. Crown probably from like so much stress. Yeah, that's a very see? serious thing yeah, right not there. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> not good. I yeah. have a huge hole in my yeah. tooth. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, but people think of it as a lesser, like, you know, form of medicine. Yeah. I like mean, Tom Cruise. Mm, Scientology. No, yeah. oh, that is. Oh yeah, they think we're the devil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, funny story about Scientology, but maybe I'll say that. Later. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to end up on a cruise ship yeah, to like yeah. nowhere. No. A cruise ship. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Oh, I'll definitely tell you. <laughs> so no, but to your point, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, that was a part of my own struggle with like choosing between OB psychiatry. I knew that I felt really excited about my work and like it fit with my life and I knew you know Law and I were definitely going to go the distance so his lifestyle like OBGYN would not fit with you know traveling and I certainly wouldn't be able to do this right now I probably would be on call asking yeah. someone to push right? yeah yeah, so, yeah 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 um setting up some stirrups exactly yeah, yeah. right so it really came down to choosing, but I did have like initial reactions. People were just like, what are you doing? Um, my own family, they were, I think they were concerned that I wouldn't have patients, mm. um, particularly like, oh, black people don't go to see psychiatrists, which in part, you know, maybe not fully. Um, like, yes, certainly blacks go to the emergency room more for the first time that they're treated. But I just, to your point, it represented that this was like not a good choice. Like you went to med school to do this and you're going to spend the rest of your career explaining to people what the difference is between this and psychology is like, why did you do that? Um, but it's really, it was a calling. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a big part of it too, which is that you are doing good for people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you could be doing good for people by delivering babies, but you could also be doing good by people by 
hearing them out, helping them through different processes and, and putting them in line to help themselves. Yeah. Which is great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like this work is selfless. When was the point when you knew or did you know that law was going to propose to you? I didn't know that he was going to when he did it but we like we went um you had your 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 finger measured or something or we did so we, <laughs> like he was asking me like what kind of like stone do i like and like the shape and so i was reading i have like long skinny fingers and like oval is best blah 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 so we end up going to um alex todd mm-hmm. oh the ring uh, jeweler yeah yeah so there was this really cool like experience so i'm in there looking at like diamonds and not knowing that I'm choosing my diamond. So like they had brought it out and there were all these diamonds I'm choosing and little did I know, literally that was like a Wednesday and then we went to New Orleans where Law's from Mm -hmm. and Beyonce had her show that weekend and um, he proposed that weekend. Right after the show we went to Solange's, he proposed. Oh man. It was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but I didn't know it was going to happen, but But I knew it was coming. Yeah, because you knew that, like, you would we, just pick out so, a stone. But, <laughs> but I didn't think it would happen that fast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I was just like, wait, they're going to pl- they're gonna put the stone in. I didn't even tell them, like, the kind of, like, fix that I want. I don't yeah. know. So, but it happened really quickly once. And, and then how long was it between that and your wedding? Um, About a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your wedding was not totally uh, how you planned it. Right. <laughs> Totally not how we planned it. Yeah. Um, it was It was in New Orleans. Yes. Um, the weather didn't cooperate. Correct. Okay. There was just a light hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. So we found out about that light hurricane, Hurricane Nate, um, the night before the wedding. Oh, my God. Right. So we ended up just because it's like such a great city. New Orleans is so much fun. Have you guys been? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. So I love that city so much. So we had all of our guests come the night before for cocktails and I'm so glad because Friday is when I found out from the city we couldn't get married in Congo Square anymore. And we chose that because it's a historical site, right? That's where slaves, they had the day off and they would go under Code Noir and literally trade and get to practice some of their own traditions. So we wanted to get married there. So the city's like, oh, you can't get married here anymore. And that was the day before. So we ended up getting dressed. um, Well, we messaged everyone at the dinner. Um, that, hey, the wedding's going to now be at noon instead of 5, and there's going to be a curfew that the city's in, implementing at 6 p.m. So we'll see you guys. <laughs> yeah. um, and it turned out, it was so beautiful. Everyone, like, stuck with us. We all end up, like, going from the cocktail, like, bar that we were at to dinner. It was, like, 50, 60 people. In New Orleans, they're so chill. Yeah. yeah. They split the bill. Oh, you wow. Think about that. <laughs> like, New York is like, you can't split a bill. They yeah. were like, fine. We can do whatever you want. 60 ways? They didn't do it 60 yeah. ways, but they were comfortable with like, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. I love it. They're just, yeah. that's how you know yeah. Yeah. you're just too uptight in New I York. love that city. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it, it went great. So then the next day, um, well, I'm sorry, on Friday, when we knew, we, we ended up getting dressed, took all our pictures. So that whole curse about being seen, we had to like get rid of that <laughs> concept. Um, and then Saturday, got up bright and early and got married. And so the venue where we were going to have dinner, they have a lot of rooms. And so they actually had a room that we were going to use in, in the event of rain. Wow. And they like gave it to us. That's so great. So That's it was so nice. Great. It yeah. was so better because then our guests that came, our like big guests, I think it was better to have it in that one space. Because sure. I don't think the town would have been able to handle a parade no. from like... yeah. So I think it worked out. Did you have an official photographer? 
We did. Okay. Uh, to be fair, was the official photographer's photos better than Lenny's? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love both of them too. Uh-huh. Good well, Lenny yeah, yeah, yeah. still has like um, probably a real full of of, cam- of photos that he didn't give us that, yet. That, that, yeah, that, by the way, that, that, sounds, like that is Lenny. <laughs> like Lenny, give us our wedding yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually had Joshua Kissy. Wait, did he just hit you back and be like, "Got you"? Got, like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna send yeah. it. <laughs> he just laughs and kind of finds a way to walk off. But the ones he sent were great. I bet. Um, I bet. But our photographer was wonderful. Um, Joshua Kissy. Shout out to him. Yeah. You guys know. Um, I can't. Now that the name of his like company is slipping my mind. Street Etiquette. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he shot these beautiful images. Um, and actually a woman who is from the Upper West Side saw. We end up getting into brides and she saw the images and yeah, she's yeah. like, this is Vogue worthy. Yeah. yeah. So they were really great photos. Pretty special. Shout out to the Upper West Side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I felt official when she know, told yeah. me that. <laughs> she was like totally culturally appropriating me. She had like a little Asian look that day. And I was just like, I've made it. <laughs> when it does get into like Vogue and all these things, like what did you think growing up, you know, of like what your wedding was going to be? Like, did you think it was going to be this national thing? Like that's got to be like so crazy. I didn't. I mean, I just think I'm so weird. <laughs> I mean, because like people ask, well, did you not dream about your wedding? Did you not dream? I didn't. Our wedding, I just wanted it to be about the love. Mm-hmm. And I would never have imagined it to be like this. I mean, it was just so emotional. I definitely would not have imagined to have like J and B there to support. I mean, it just, it's, you know, I'm from Alabama. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's gotta be this thing where it's just like, I mean, it, it happened, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like you were pushing for it. No, no. Unless all of that, like, aspiration and drive maybe this is what happens when you just like keep putting in the work and staying consistent when you're a gunner bitch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do think there's something about that and i think there's something also about like good energy i, re- I, I really do and i think like no matter how it played out it played out like in a great way yeah. and you have a great story to tell so that's that's fantastic too Thank so you. um your your relationship is one that i envy you in law but there's one thing that I feel like has to be very contentious in your relationship, which is that Law has a Blackberry. He does. <laughs> and he is like the only person in 2019 who has a Blackberry. That's right. And so I want to know, like, what, how do you deal with that, with, with something so Do you ever text him? Yeah, you don't want to get like the, marriage. Gr- the green, like, bubble back. Like, yeah. you should, I just call him, I guess, right? Oh, that Blackberry. <laughs> Um, he has two Blackberries. Oh, all right. Yeah, one is um, really good at taking photos. Yeah, sure. Not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets away with like when he, you know, he, I can't tell if he's read the text. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah, there's that. That's good. But I've always let Law be him. Like mm-hmm. whatever he wants to do. Yeah. It's fine with me. His best self. Yeah. It, yes. it just so happens that his best self is not that good for everybody else. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that apparently he says that phone is supposed to be the most secure oh. phone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sure, I yeah. sure. Go, go with yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, like, what, what is it? Like, what's his and yours and yours is his, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Except it's usually the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I think is most special about what you do is your Ask Dr. Jess stuff on on uh, Instagram mm-hmm. and you do that on Sundays mm-hmm. and we've tuned in and we've jumped in and we've asked questions and we've said hi and I think that it's really special because not only are you providing a service for free for people mm-hmm. but you're also interacting with actual questions now how did that start and how long will it continue 
Yeah, so it started, I want to say, I think it was around like January or February of last year. It was when Instagram had that like polling Mm -hmm. feature that they added. And for some reason, I just wrote like on my Instagram stories, you guys want to talk about anxiety? Just kind of asking. And I put the yes or no. And people said yes. And then, you know, live was, I think, active. Wait, did anybody say no? Of course. Of course. No, people are supportive. Yeah. Well, I think you still have a few, like, people who maybe they maybe they don't want to hear about it. Was it law? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Press no. (laughs) But it started then. um, And I used, like, the live feature. So I said, hey, I'll go live at this time. And then when I opened up the live, I mean, this at this point, I probably had, like, like 3,000 followers and not like I have like a trillion now, but it was mm-hmm. enough that having 200 people in there at once is a lot at yeah. that time. So when I opened it, there were like 200 people ready to talk about anxiety. Um, and so I that just like inspired me and got me more excited about it. And then it also helped me to realize like even though I'm, I think I know a lot and I'm helping people, there's still so much information that people don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I plan to continue doing it as long as I can come up with topics. That's, That's the hardest dope. part. Well, and, but there's, there's times like when, you know, that we, we saw you out in LA, yeah. um, we were all at the Nipsey Memorial, um, and the following Sunday, um, I tuned in and, and you were talking about that. And I think that that's something too, that's even bigger than maybe, you know, it seemed like a bigger national moment than, um, or a worldly moment than, and this is no disrespect to these things, but when people go through a breakup or people have anxiety because of a job or, or little things that may seem more personal, this, this felt like a bigger thing mm-hmm. and it felt like necessary in that time. And I'm glad that I was able to hear that from you. I know that for us, um, we were in LA for the, the week prior, mm-hmm. um, and we were with Nipsey two weeks before that oh um, in in the parking lot we were with Emery we were with Nipsey um, in a and you know we flew out to to LA um, the week of his memorial and uh, um, you know Emmanuel mm-hmm. uh, Manny she was on our flight and she was like do you want to go to uh, and people may know her from the podcast too mm-hmm. uh, she was like do you want to go to the store and I was like I, I don't know that I can you know because mm-hmm. the last time we were there was filled with so much like sunshine on every level, like, like spiritually, but also like physically, Mm -hmm. you know, in the world and uh, a a place where there was so much love in that, that whole day that we spent out there, um, to be taken and, and twisted in such a unfair and horrible way. I didn't know that I could do that. And so for the time that we spent out in Los Angeles, I couldn't, um, I couldn't, uh, explain how I felt Mm -hmm. or process how I felt and um it took a lot and and you know this is something small but like seeing you guys at John and Vinny's afterwards because we we went there just knowing that we had to put something in our stomach and and feel better Mm -hmm. um but seeing you guys there was like a wonderful surprise tuning in on Sunday and hearing you talk about your experience and and talking about something that everyone else could relate to whether they knew him or not Mm -hmm. um felt appropriate so thank you for for that as well thank you wow i mean i think it 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 really knocked so many of us off i think off of our feet i mean i'm i'm for me i'm still trying to get to a place where i feel energetic about this work because a lot of what i do it really comes from moments and truly is like this is what i'm thinking or this is what i'm seeing happening and so this i think has just been such a devastating 
loss. And I actually didn't feel like I could do it on my own. I was just tearful all the time. And, and I actually asked for a therapist. That's why social media can be a really great resource. Is there a therapist out there who specializes in grief? And someone said yes. And so then we went, we like did the live together. And really it was because I wanted people to like, let's talk about grief, but also I didn't think I could do it on my own. I mean, it really was such a very, it still is very devastating. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see it play out. And I, I think, you know, we lost our dad um, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, our mom went through her grieving process. We went through ours. And whenever things have happened since then, I think we found that like no one grieves the same. And mm-hmm. certainly there are no rules to it. So when someone's like, I can't operate like I used to, or I need more time, or I just can't plug myself into something. It's like, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's like, true to them and that's mm-hmm. something that we should all sort of like understand but um but i but i think that there always will be moments for you to be there on a sunday for people and mm-hmm. i think that's that's what's great about it but in addition to that you're not just doing this stuff for free because you're also on mtv or you're <laughs> you know doing talks with swiss or with asap um, ferg yeah, yeah ferg and and rhapsody and all these people who are like sharing up there on a stage with you um, you found yourself now not just being like a doctor, but you're Dr. Jess, you know, and that's a real cool thing. Did you ever anticipate this and how are you moving with it? I didn't. Um, wow. Thank goodness for moms. I mean, when I go back and say things to her, so she says I did say something like this. I'm like, really? She said, yes, you all, you said. You wrote it on your cast. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> like, that thing I threw away. But no, she she said that I, I, so she's like, I remember you saying you wanted to be a doctor and then later on going into like seeing some of the TV doctors. And I, I don't know, I've always felt very relatable. You know, I talk with my hands. I don't have all the words all the time correctly said and that's okay. And so I, I just felt like that's, I want to be able to touch people. So she says, I've always said this. I don't think I did. Um, but no, I never thought it would happen. It it really just, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit, certainly to Law. Um, he's someone that when my lives are going on, I'm sure you guys got messages. Mm-hmm. He was yep. really like everyone to He was in. your manager. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like he was really like pushing and I'm like, what is going on? And um yeah and so i mean it's been surreal i cannot be i'm so grateful to the people who have sat with me to let me talk about their lives with them and really in the effort to try to normalize conversations about mental health you know even the charlemagne opportunity Mm -hmm. on vh1 it was crazy to even get asked to do that um and even to like learn later that he was even asked to like maybe choose a different doctor who has more television experience and he's like i need someone who also comes from the same background this is important right and i'm just really riding it and also really being very gracious i'm very i'm very humbled by by this and still it, it's kind of shocking when people stop me in the subway like you're dr jess i'm like i guess yeah you yeah know, but um it's been exciting it's very exciting do people ask you to like basically diagnose them on the street like <laughs> as, as soon as like they find out oh you're a doctor you know, whether in conversation or because of reputation, are they like, you know, it happens. Yeah. I mean, maybe not like right away, (laughs) but definitely I'll find myself at a party, you know, like we go to a lot of events and someone will come up to me and then before I know it, they're 
pouring a story out and yeah I'm like, oh goodness because <laughs> like i feel like the joke of like being like a podiatrist or something is sure. that like people yeah. have always like picking out their their yeah. feet to like yeah. show you it's like so it must this be the same thing where it's just like soul. yeah yeah oh yes like i'll you know i'll be literally at dinner it doesn't matter but now i'm a little bit more aware of it so I don't get so sucked in, mm-hmm. you know, I might like hear them out a little bit. I do give people space to talk about things, but then, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate like, you know, I wonder if you are looking for your own therapist or, you know, but it comes out all of the time. Yeah. And even in podcasts, that's why in the beginning I was like, <laughs> usually the tables turn and then yeah. I'm the one like doing the <laughs> session. We've, we've had to like send like when we agree to podcast, obviously whatever you all wanted to do, I'm totally down mm-hmm. for, but for other like, like podcasts that are starting out i'll Mm -hmm. have to say like we'll send like the time and this is not a therapy session because it it always gets twisted into that Mm -hmm. i think people can't resist yeah Yeah. well i mean (laughs) diagnose me tell me me what's wrong with me you haven't been talking (laughs) do you feel like now um your your where you want to be in terms of your career yeah i think so I I think so. I'm in this like really great space of having job security and having options. Um, Now with this, you know, brand, Dr. Jess, I have options in terms of, you know, I can certainly see just about anyone at this point, even if I'm not like the best fit, people are just going to hold me to that. So I'm in this really interesting space. I'm still in New York. I've got my husband, you know, I have all these wonderful things. So I really do think I'm in a great, great yeah. place. I think it's always awesome to accept opportunities that come your way, you know, to be open to them because a lot of people just when you're focused can like put the blinders on and stay that one way. But to listen, if you never uh, thought that you would be on camera or you never thought that you would be stopped in the subway, you are taking these things in and allowing yourself to help people out whether you know them personally or not which is unbelievable so shout out to you Aww, yeah thank yeah you. and you get to be on camera without having to play like alto sax I know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so ugly <laughs> what were you playing in band yeah I'll, no i mean like i mean like, like the, the, the songs oh i don't even remember it was all like music i had to read sure um that is what that being is in being band, band is yeah yeah, yeah. I don't remember any music. I know I did Somewhere Over the Rainbow when I ran for Miss Tuskegee. As in you played it on saxophone? As in I played it on my saxophone. A solo? Yes. And like, so the air condition was blowing and my my music was flipping. (laughs) And my brother came, I was like on this long platform. My brother like came out and he just like, not from the stage, but from like the stands. Yeah. And he like held my music. Wow. That's really nice. That was so nice. Can I just say... Somewhere over the rainbow is not meant to be played on alto sax as a solo. That's probably why I didn't win. I, I really. There's someone in the hospital in Bellevue who plays the saxophone in the stairwell. Oh, that's wait, wait, wait. Know, you just hear it? Yes. You don't know who this person don't is? Don't know who they are, but literally every now and again. Do you have your suspicions? I have no idea who it is. I asked my co-residents, like, yeah. who is it? No one replied. You don't walk by someone and you're just like, I bet is that's that who it is. You? Yeah. I, I should just open the door one or, day. Or, wait. You should bring your saxophone into a duet. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. yeah my this is a sign. Happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be like in Maneater by Hall & Oates when you yeah. just hear, like, the saxophone and it's just like, Yeah. And it's just a duet. Do you remember any of your cheers from high school? Oh, my gosh. 
Now that I have to think about this stuff, no. Oh. I'm also saying no because I think you're going to ask me to say one. No. No, no, no never. No. I, would, I would never. Not asking you to rap American Gangster for Jay-Z Ooh. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bananas. Did you do that? Well, we did more like be aggressive. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, be aggressive. <laughs> yep. We did. First like, and 10. Yes. Okay. Rebels go fight win. Wow. Mm-hmm. We did all of that. Would you do pep rallies? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. What, one year we dressed up as like cash money. Uh, what? Which, Sorry. Yeah. Which one were you? Well, we weren't. We were just, we dressed up in like you army fatigue. Collectively. Collectively. We <laughs> oh, wait, you mean no money. limit? No limit. No limit. Oh, my gosh. No. Wow. So, good wait. luck going home. I right. know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So we dressed. We... Or going to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was cash money music. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But we were dressed up in army fatigue. I mean, they, they wore some like, you know, like army pants and camouflage. These pants are Law's that. friends. I know. I know. <laughs> I have to find the I have to find the like yearbook photos. Well, I'm sure it's kept. I wasn't captain. So it wasn't my choice. You no. weren't captain. But it was bling bling that we danced to. But we had on army fatigues. And I'm now seeing the inconsistency. That's yes. sure. <gasps> I know. Yeah. I know. I'm so sorry, Law. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever sat in a tank? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, Jess, you've you've lived quite a life so far mm-hmm. and you've done some amazing things and uh, you followed through on your on your goals and your dreams. And even when you couldn't anticipate it, it's you know, that's from everything from your career to your wedding and everything. And I think it's just amazing that you've gone from an army base full of guns to living on the Upper East Side for a bit and being a, a gun a bit. You know? Woo! <laughs> um, congratulations on everything. Thanks so much for stopping by here and, uh, and come through again because you can always do 45 minute sessions here at a time and yeah. we would appreciate it. Our time is up. That's yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for having me. Thank I you. really enjoyed it. So much fun. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about us. I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together we are It's The Real, no apostrophe, no spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real and there are more than 250 other episodes that you should definitely dive into. And by the way, if you guys want a starter podcast, check out Bits The Real, which we put out last Thursday. It's a mini episode with all themed stories. It's a best of. It's a best of, and we, well, definitely we decide it's not a best of. No, it's a best of. People don't understand why it's not a best of, so it is a best of. <laughs> it's a best of, and we did best of high school stories. We have stories from Jada Kiss, from Cardi B, from Shay Serrano, and a ton more. Bits the Real, check that out. Same feed at Waste Time with It's the Real. Jeff, if you want to find out more about what's going on with us, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, home of the eight ounce mug. <laughs> you can also go to iTunes, to Spotify, to any place that has podcasts. It is there. All of our podcasts on every single podcast place. By the way, this is true. We visited our friend Tere, the rapper and on-air personality at his home in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. And he showed us the refrigerator where he plays his podcast out of. His refrigerator is a laptop. <laughs> That's what I learned. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real. Go there now. And we're on, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, if you want to find us, you'll find us. We're It's The Real, one word, no apostrophe, no spaces. Jeff, I asked the internet just now. I said, hey, let us know who you are, let us know what city you want us to visit, and let us know right now. Did they? Oh, yeah, I didn't even look at what question you would ask. I was just like, <laughs> man, everybody's just naming cities that we should go visit or something. 
So Rogizis had come to Brampton for the Culture Doggies. Yes. Brampton up in Toronto. I'm with it. Uh, we had Toby on the podcast from Brampton last week. Check that out. Jonathan said to come to Las Vegas. Jonathan Iloso on All right. Instagram. Detroit player said to come to Detroit Rock City. Not for real, for real. That makes sense. Justin Fleischer, the Fleisch God, said to come to OKC. Now he knows that I've been reading this book. I'm almost done with it. About Oklahoma City, I'm just obsessed with it and need to find our way down there. Well, Dez said to come down to Texas. Now Texas is not a city. And nor is it the you know, basis of this book I'm reading, but that's fine. No, but it's close to Oklahoma, so we could do a... Yeah, we could do a little swing down there. Yeah. Depending on where we're going. I mean, I guess. Texas is a big state. That's true. William says to come to the Bay Area. Danny says to come to Washington, D.C. Gabe says Chicago. Leroy says Durham, North Carolina. All great possibilities. BJ says to come to New Orleans, Louisiana. Been there. We'll go back again. TJ said, I'd like a review from you of Utah, so I'll say Salt Lake City. We've been to Salt Lake City. Have we you performed there? We should do a show down there. I'd give him a review right now. Yeah. Very Mormon. <laughs> Alex Earl from Newfoundland. Yeah. Says to come to Newfoundland. That's where we should go? He's a Newf. Chino says to come to Charlotte, of course. Now, Chino has been up to New York a million times for us. For that, to go down to we should go down there. Yeah. Or to, like, Bank of America. That's exactly where we should go. Get the bag. Yes. That's it. That's it? That's it. Shout out to everybody for participating in that. We're hoping to get on the road very, 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 very soon. Jeff, as always, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.